Good morning. We're in Genesis chapter 40 this morning. We're in this sermon series, Dare to Dream, taking a look at Joseph's life and uh, trying to apply to our own lives what it means to live out God's will as we face different circumstances along the way, right? We talked about Joseph's calling and how difficult that was for him to receive at that point in his life and how his brothers and his, his parents responded to it. We, we talked about how he was sold into slavery and the, the trouble and uh, how, uh, how he overcame that. He rose to power, how he was tempted and was able to withstand the temptation, yet he was still put in jail. And today we're going to talk about his time in jail. Uh, so let's uh, take a moment to pray, and then we'll dive into this passage. Father God, uh, we come this morning raising a hallelujah because of who you are and because of what you've done. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll move among us in such a way that we can understand who you are and that you'll reveal yourself to us through your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I heard a story about a couple who was celebrating 20 years of marriage. That, not, that morning, the wife woke up and she told her husband that she had this amazing dream where a husband came home with a beautiful pearl necklace for their anniversary. What do you think it means, she asked. And the husband replied, you'll find out tonight. Well, that very evening, the husband came home carrying a small box, and he gave it to his wife. With excitement, she opened this box, and she found a book that was entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. Today, we're going to talk uh, about being aware what's happening around you, and uh, picking up on some of those signs that God is trying to give us. Jim's laughing because that story's about him and Natalie. No, no, you've already lived it out. Genesis chapter 39 is where we'll start in preparation for chapter 40, uh, because it gives us a lot of insight into what's really going on. Uh, starting in verse 20, it says, Joseph, uh, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. I love that. He showed him kindness. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. While he was in prison, God was with him. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave Joseph success in everything he did. Now, Joseph has been thrown unjustly into prison by his master Potiphar. He doesn't have a chance to appeal the sentence. He doesn't have a chance to have visitors or his family come and visit him, right? They sold him into slavery, He doesn't even have a chance to escape. Joseph is completely alone 
and yet we see him persevere in the face of trial. The Lord was with him. And if this story sounds familiar, it's because we've already experienced this, Joseph, right? We've already experienced how Joseph was sold into slavery, and in reaction to that, he was faithful to God, God was with him, and Potiphar put him in charge of everything. And now the warden does the same thing. Somehow in prison, Joseph thrives, overcomes adversity, and through awareness of God's presence, he really does well. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that whatever your life's work is, do it well. A man should do his job so well that the living, the dead, and the unborn could do no better. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And we're reminded in Colossians chapter 3 that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is the kind of life that Joseph lived. Through adversity, he worked hard. He worked well, and God was with him. Whether word or deed, through his words, through his action, the Lord was his Joseph, and Joseph was aware, and so he lived and spoke in a certain way. Now, the writer gives us an example. Chapter 40, verse 1 through 8, is a good example of how Joseph lived out, in word or deed, his faithfulness to God. We're told that sometime later, there was a cupbearer and the baker of a king of Egypt who offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he puts them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and so Joseph attended them. And after each had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, both the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in the same prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Jesus came to them the next morning, he saw, he was aware that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in the master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And so they answered, we both had dreams, but there's no one here to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now the text doesn't tell us exactly their duties, but we know a little bit about what a cupbearer might do and what a baker might do. And through logic, I think we can assume the Pharaoh ate something that didn't sit well, right? Maybe it was a biscuit, maybe it was a cake, 
But that cupbearer gave him the food the baker made, and it did not sit well with Pharaoh. Something bad happened, and it put them both in prison. Joseph's awareness, he noticed they were dejected. And why would he care? Pause on that. Why in the world would Joseph care? He is unfairly in prison, folks. He's gone through the ringer. Yet Joseph has the ability to step outside of himself and realize that someone else in the same prison is dejected. I think that's incredible. How many of y'all are familiar with the comedian Nate Bargazzi from here from Tennessee? A few of you maybe? He tells a story about when he played baseball as a kid. There was this one particular night that he caught ball four and he walked to first base. But when he got to first base, he looked back and the catcher was holding the ball and staring him down. And he thought, oh, this is on. So he took off the second. The catcher throws it to second, but he missed the second baseman completely and it went into the outfield. So Nate rounded second, headed to third. The outfielder throws it to third base and they missed it. And it went all the way over to the dugout. So the coach is bringing him on. And he rounds third, heads home. He's about to get a walk in the, in the park home run. Have you ever heard of such a thing? In the park home run from a walk. There's a play at the plate. He slides. He looks up at the umpire to see what the call is. And the umpire says, it's ball three. Evidently, the umpire was the only one in the whole stadium that knew it was ball three. And maybe the catcher knew, and maybe that's why he stared. But he rounded first, and so maybe the catcher thought, maybe I'm wrong, and threw it into the outfield. How? Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, to set in your hearts to revere Christ as Lord. And then he, then he says this is what it looks like. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect, he says. Joseph is aware of their countenance. And, and Joseph's also aware that God speaks through dreams. And in boldness, he says, don't interpretations belong to God? The baker and the cupbearer most likely are Egyptians. Why would they care what Jehovah God has to say? But Joseph doesn't even, doesn't even flinch. God can answer these. Jehovah God can answer these. Tell me your dreams. Joseph knew that only God could speak up on their behalf. And now here he is as a vessel for that word to the cupbearer and the baker. 
Joseph knew this. And he had the boldness to speak up and say, stop. God has a word for you. Now in verses 9 through 19, what we're going to have is the dreams, okay? The cupbearer, he goes first. He dreams about this vine that grows up. And that vine has three branches, and those three branches produce buds. And evidently, this is happening in some kind of fast time, right? Time lapse in his dream. Those buds produce grapes, and he's holding the king's cup, and he squeezes those grapes, and it produces a drink. And he gives that drink to the king, to Pharaoh. And Joseph says, well, I know exactly what that dream means. Those three vines mean that there's going to be three days. And your job as cupbearer, you're about to have it again in three days. And I'm sure the baker was super excited about that interpretation. He said, ooh, ooh, I had a dream too. Let me tell you about my dream. And it's even weirder. He has three baskets that are stacked on top of his head. And in the top basket was filled with the most delicious of bread. But the birds were eating out of that top basket. Weird dream, right? But Joseph saw that dream and said, I'm sorry, buddy, but this ain't good. Those three baskets mean three days. The birds eating that off your head means that you're going to be hung and the birds are going to eat your flesh. Eek. Not so great, right? That's no bueno. But three days later, and I, I often wonder when I think about this, they had three days to sit on that, right? And I'm sure the baker's like, that Joseph's crazy, right? And I'm sure the cupbearer's like hoping that he's not crazy, right? Like what happened in that time period of three days? We don't know. But what we do know is in the third day, Pharaoh has a birthday party. Pharaoh invites all of his guests, and he decides to go ahead and raise up both the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer, he decides, gets to keep his job, and the baker was hung that day. And then we read in verse 23 of chapter 40. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. In fact, I missed that part. In verse... In verse... Uh, 15, Joseph says, hey man, this is what's going to happen to you. Could you remember me when Pharaoh lifts you up, when Pharaoh puts you back in the chief cupbearer? Will you remember him and tell him how I was unjustly put in jail and how I'm kind of a good guy now? Could you tell him that, right? But no, the chief cupbearer who got his job back, Joseph didn't get his job back, but the chief cupbearer who got his job back did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. 
I picture him with the king's cup in his hand and wine being poured into that cup and him handing Pharaoh the cup and still forgot him. Joseph had selflessly spoken up for the cupbearer. He was aware that he was distraught. And he spoke a word of God to him. And he didn't even need to. He didn't even have to. It wasn't even part of his job. He's like that umpire who who just didn't speak up and let the whole plague continue. Joseph had been rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was unjustly put in prison, and now he sits forgotten. The man who had a dream about being great sits alone and forgotten in a jail cell. I think my favorite superhero has always been Batman because he's not an alien from another planet that can jump and fly. He wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider giving him superpowers, and he wasn't a failed science project to give him super abilities. No, Batman just had one superpower. He won't die, right? He just keeps enduring. He just kept persevering. The Joker can't break him. The penguin can't kill him. Poison ivy can't poison him. He just keeps getting back up. No matter where you are in the story, you know what he's going to do, right? And that's where we are in this story. Joseph's not Batman, but he just won't die, right? He just won't give up. What do you think Joseph's next move is? I think whether you know the end of the story or not, you know he's going to persevere. I think that even as his only hope to get out of jail has forgotten him, Joseph's still going to be faithful to God. He's still going to be aware of God's presence in his life. And I don't think Joseph's going to let go of the dream. My wife, Jessica, has taken up embroidery. Have you ever looked carefully at hand-stitched embroidery? If you examine the front, I mean, it's, it's pretty. It's really beautiful. But if you turn embroidery over, you know what you find? A mess. It's a mess of strings with no apparent pattern. It's only when you return to the front side that you find the finished work of art. And our lives are very similar. And we know the final outcome, the big picture, the work of God when he's finished. It will be all right. There's an old gospel song that I love. I've read the back of the book, and we win It's all going to be all right. But it's on that inside, right? That's where it looks rough. That's where it looks tough. That's where it seems like 
There's no end in sight. But God will prevail. And therefore, we can persevere. We can persevere. Think about the three days. The three days the baker and the cupbearer had before it was all said and done. They heard the promise. It was up to them whether they're going to believe it. And I think about how that's connected to what we celebrate today around the Lord's Supper. After Jesus was crucified, three days passed. Three days passed for the disciples to sit and wonder, are his promises going to come true? And sure enough, it did. In each of the corners of our sanctuary this morning, there are cups. The bottom cup is the juice. The top cup is the bread. I got that flipped, but you got my, you, you see what I'm saying. And they represent not only the body of Jesus, but the cup represents a promise. A promise that he made to his disciples that three days later I would rise. The cup is the new covenant of my blood, he said, that's poured out for you. It's a promise. As we face adversity, as we face temptation, as we face the times where it doesn't see there's end in sight, where we just can't see it, we can't lose sight of the promise. Therefore, we always need to persevere. Pray with me, please. Our Father, we also in life face struggles of many types, and you knew it would happen, and you gave us hope a single promise of resurrection. As we wait for you to come and bring completion to that promise, I pray that you'll give us hope, I pray that you'll give us strength, and I pray that you'll give us endurance so that we can persevere under the extreme trials of this world. We're thankful for your promise that we celebrate today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.